This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network, episode 47 of 40 Acres and a Fool, if you can believe it or not. Cam Edwards, your host, uh, flying solo on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Not at the kitchen table. It is not a a Wednesday evening. Instead, it's a Thursday morning. I uh, was talking with Miss E last night, and she said, you know, I'm just just not in the mood for a uh, podcast. I said, I understand. It happens sometimes. So uh, I am with you this week, and uh, and you are with me as well. We have a number of emails to get to. Uh, we'll talk about uh, kind of the quiet goings on on the uh, 40 acres this week. It is that, that time of year where you're planning uh, for the spring. We have a lot of ideas that we want to get down. We have a lot of uh, things that we want to try to do around the farm before uh, it's actually time to start planting things. But uh, this is sort of the, the calm uh, after the snowstorm, I suppose. And we did uh, uh, venture off the farm uh, over the past weekend. We took the uh, kids up to Monticello for the first time. Uh, Not my first visit. I I have been there a couple of times before. Got a chance to take uh, Charles Cook from National Review. Uh, I had a chance to take our friend uh, Farah, who uh, came to visit us from Arizona. But uh, it's the first time that the kids have gone, first time that Miss E has gone. She has a a, a, a bit of a... uh, a mental block when it comes to going and visiting historic sites because <laughs> as a kid she got dragged to uh, a lot of them uh and uh, apparently they they weren't the most uh, interesting or exciting of places when you were you know 11 12 years old to go uh, to Gettysburg now I would have loved it but uh, Miss E not so much so as an adult uh, Miss E I think when when she hears history she automatically thinks oh, this is going to be boring but I told her, I said, I think you're going to have a really good time. And she did have a good time. We uh, we did the tour of the house itself. Um, there are a couple of different uh, tours that Monticello offers, by the way. If you've got a day to spend there, they have this two-hour behind-the-scenes tour. So not only do you do the typical house tour where you go through the lower level, uh, you see Jefferson's private study and his bedroom and the dining area, front hall, Uh, in the parlor, in the dining room. But uh, in the two-hour extended tour, which we did not do because we had our kids with us and I figured that there's no way that they'd last for uh, two hours, uh, you go upstairs, you see some of the uh, nine bedrooms that are upstairs, you see the actual uh, 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 room with the uh, the couple of the dome on top. Uh, So you get to see a little bit more. So if you're heading to Charlottesville, Virginia, you're planning on going to visit Monticello, 
make sure you check out that tour. Uh, and there's also a lot of other stuff that you can do uh, beyond the typical or, or the standard house tour, especially when the weather is better. Uh, it was still pretty cold, and there was still a lot of snow on the ground. So the gardens obviously wasn't the right time for uh, for us to visit the uh, gardens there at Monticello. But uh, they're, they're doing a fantastic job of, of continuing to renovate uh, the building and the grounds around um, uh, Monticello and restore uh, the grounds around Monticello. There was a, uh, I think the Barnwood Builders actually on uh, was a DIY network, uh, went and, and reconstructed uh, one of the cabins that uh, was there at uh, Monticello. Um, there's a, a, a section of the, uh, of the site called Mulberry Row uh, that's not too far from the main house, but it's, it's where a lot of the uh, small shops and, uh, uh, I say factories, but they weren't really factories, but uh, some of the, the workshops and even the, uh, the slaves' quarters were there along Mulberry Row. And so they're starting to uh, rebuild and uncover some of the, uh, the foundations of the original buildings, again, uh, sort of uh, recreate and restore uh, other buildings there. So there's, I mean, you could spend a, uh, an entire day at uh, Monticello just walking around and, and looking at the uh, the, the various uh, architectural details and the uh, archaeological uh, excavations that are going on. Uh, we had a really good time. We stopped uh, at the foot of the mountain uh, after we uh, went to Monticello. We had lunch at a place called Mitchie's Tavern, which has been around since 1784. Uh, there may have been a break in there at some point in time. And I'm always kind of I'm always kind of cautious when you uh, go and you you eat your history. I, I love eating in historic places. There's a place in Alexandria, Virginia called Gadsby's Tavern uh, that, uh, again, has been around since the late 1700s. Uh, George Washington uh, had a, a party there after his first inauguration. Uh, you know, most of the, the founders at some point in time passed through the doors of Gadsby's Tavern. They serve, uh, quote-unquote, colonial fare. Uh, and it's 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 good. But I have to tell you, like in all of the years that I lived in Northern Virginia, I think I ate at Gatsby's Tavern twice. And, and you go for the atmosphere, you go for the experience, not necessarily the food. And so that's sort of what I was anticipating with the uh, with Mitchie Tavern, that you'd go for the experience and the the atmosphere. And certainly, uh, you go in and you're you're there in a a you know the the, the log cabin. Uh, that uh, that was Mitchie's Tavern, and it has sort of been expanded and added on to over the years. So it's really interesting to see that. But uh, in all honesty, the food was actually pretty good. I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, youngest son devoured the uh, fried chicken, went back for more. I had a, a heaping helping of the pulled pork barbecue, which was fantastic. Uh, really good cornbread. Uh, again, simple stuff. It's, it's Southern fare. It's served buffet style, so you get... Uh, your choice again of a uh, fried chicken or uh, baked chicken or uh, pulled pork. Uh, you've got your biscuits or your cornbread. You've got coleslaw, black-eyed peas. I think there were some. Uh, uh, I think it was spinach. I don't think it was collard greens, uh, but some sort of uh, a greens there. Mashed potatoes. Not a lot of choice. Uh, all simply made, but uh, honestly, all pretty good as well. So that was our, our Charlottesville experience. We go up there. It's probably been a few months, actually, since we've been to Charlottesville. It's about an hour and a half from the uh, Farmville area, uh, but it's a, a cool little town. It's uh, definitely a, a college town, but it does have a lot of history that uh, uh, is still respected. Unlike, it seems that most college campuses where uh, history is something to be ignored and discarded, 
Uh, I think because of the Jefferson connection, the uh, uh, the appreciation and the love of history is still pretty strong uh, there in Charlottesville, Virginia. As a matter of fact, when you're when you're at Monticello, on one of the uh, uh, the porticos that you can walk down, uh, I believe it's the uh, the northern side of the house. There's a spot where Jefferson had uh, in the 1820s had a telescope set up, so he could look down uh, from the mountain into the town of Charlottesville, and he could actually see the uh, the building that he had designed at the University of Virginia. He had a a, a, a hole basically cut uh, through the uh, the trees there, so that there was always an unobstructed view. Uh, down to the University of Virginia campus, and, and the view is still unobstructed today. They still keep that area clear, so you can uh, look from the top of Monticello uh, all the way down into uh, the uh, the campus there at UVA. And on the southern side of Monticello, you're up high enough that you can actually look uh, and see way off on the horizon. Uh, it, you could you could see as far. Uh, well, I don't know if you could see as far as Farmville, but you could at least see 50 miles or so. Uh, to the south, you can see a, a, a landmark called uh, Willis Mountain, uh, which is about 11 miles uh, or so north of Farmville. So, so you can see a, a long way uh, when you're up at the top of Monticello, which is actually the little mountain. There's a bigger mountain next to it called uh, Montalto, uh, which uh, I think you can, it's private land, but I think you might be able to, uh, to access that as well. Anyway, it's a fascinating uh, way to spend an afternoon. There's lots of things to see, lots of things to do. The, uh, the docents, uh, who were there were uh, really knowledgeable. They were uh, fun, and it was nice because it was kind of cold and there was still a lot of snow on the ground. It wasn't crowded at all. Uh, this is probably the time of year, if you don't like crowds, this is probably the time of year to go to Monticello because when it starts getting warmer, they start having more festivals, uh, and it'll be packed on the weekends. So if you like to just have that opportunity to wander around without uh, too many folks uh, you know, kind of uh, pinning you in, make your trip to a Monticello in the uh, in the winter months. Right, we're going to take a, a quick time out. We do have more from the 40 Acres after a quick break here on uh, 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host, next week. I believe we'll be doing the podcast from uh, 
uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, or points north anyway. I am heading up to Harrisburg in a couple of days for the Great American Outdoor Show, uh, which is going to be held at the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex February 6th through the 14th. And I'm telling you right now that if you are within driving distance of Harrisburg, you should try to go for at least a day uh, I, I'd say at least two, but 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 I know, you know it's tough sometimes. But at least a day uh, to the Great American Outdoor Show. This is such an amazing event. They've got over 1,100 exhibitors who are going to be there. You've got 450 outfitters uh, who are going to be there. It is far beyond uh, uh, just uh, firearms manufacturers, although a lot of them are going to be there. They're going from SHOT Show in Las Vegas to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. A lot of them are going to have their uh, new products on display, and uh, folks can check them out. But there's everything from uh, uh, guns to gear to boats to bows to, uh, again, the, the outfitters from all around the world. I mean, if you've ever wanted to go... Uh, book a, uh, a hunting trip to New Zealand or Argentina or South Africa. This is your one-stop shop. But you also will find outfitters from right there in Pennsylvania, from Ohio, Oklahoma, Georgia, Florida, Colorado. Really, uh, no matter what you are interested uh, in hunting, and if you've never hunted before, uh, this is still an excellent way to, uh, to go and find a, uh, an affordable hunt. Uh, and a, uh, a guide who can take you out, who knows a lot more than you do, and a, a guide who can actually teach you a thing or two. So uh, Harrisburg is always fantastic. They've got a great setup for the kids as well. They've got an entire kids zone. Uh, it, they've got uh, events that are going to be taking place uh, in the evening hours after the show itself is closed on uh, uh, February the 6th. The NRA Foundation is having a, uh, a big banquet in their dinner, which is kind of like a, a Friends of NRA dinner on steroids. Uh, you've got uh, country concerts. Phil Robertson of uh, Duck Dynasty is going to be there. So uh, the website is greatamericanoutdoorshow.org. Check it out there. They've got a full list of uh, exhibitors and the show hours. They can even help you, help you find a hotel room in the uh, Harrisburg area. Uh, we'll be there. I'll be there February 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. NRA News will have a presence there throughout the entire program. Uh, but I'll be there on the ground for the first four days and Hopefully, I'll get a chance to uh, to see you out there. We will have uh, some uh, NRA News Cam & Company goodies. I believe for the uh, very first time, we are going to be giving away uh, NRA News Cam & Company bumper stickers. We have uh, we always get a lot of requests, but uh, our promotional budget is small, but we, uh, we, we've tapped into it, and we have now... Uh, bumper stickers, NRA News Cam and Company bumper stickers that will be given out at the Great American Outdoor Show. If you can't make it there, uh, hopefully we'll have a, a few to hand out. Well, hopefully we'll have more than a few to hand out in uh, Louisville, Kentucky at the uh, NRA Annual Meeting, which is coming up in May. So I'm, uh, after, you know, being away for more than a week, I'm about to head out for uh, a, a week or so because after uh, Harrisburg, I'll be up in Washington, D.C., so I've just been trying to enjoy as much of the uh, farm and family as I can over the past couple of days, uh, hanging out with the kids, hanging out with Missy as much as possible, and going for our walks uh, around the farm. It's nice that the snow has melted. I was uh, uh, walking, it was, uh, I guess it was Sunday afternoon or so, it was almost, uh, almost dusk, and I walked uh, from our house uh, down the hill uh, past the barn, and I was just kind of just just checking out 
how things were, seeing if there were any uh, confused trees that were starting to bud because after uh, being freezing cold, it then got up into the 60s. Uh, and I could hear through the, uh, to the, through the trees the uh, sound of the uh, water of the creek, which meant that it was pretty high. If you can hear it uh, when you're up the hill, it means it's running pretty fast. If you can't hear it, it means it's more of a burbling creek. So I thought I'd uh, wander down the hill and, and did so uh, through the brush and the grass and made it to the uh, creek side and uh, just sat and, and actually just watched the uh, rushing water. It wasn't uh, high enough that it had flooded our uh, lowland pasture, but it was uh, running pretty good from all of the uh, snow melt. And I just sat and enjoyed the uh, afternoon and the uh, last rays of sunshine as they dipped below the hill. It's it's easy for me to get into a habit where I don't do that, where you know, go, you get up in the morning and you go to work and you uh, get home and you have dinner and you help the kids with the homework and then you go to bed and all of a sudden you realize, you know, it's been a week and you haven't really done anything uh, outside. So I, I want to make sure that I don't fall into that routine, that I uh, uh, take those opportunities to just get out and enjoy uh, nature, even if it's not, you know, hunting season or it's not for an entire day, even if it's for 15 or 20 minutes, but to just uh, recognize and acknowledge the beauty and even the simplest of things like a, a small little creek, you know, running high from the, uh, the snow melt. And of course, the uh, peaceful bucolic moments can also be uh, interrupted by the sound of annoyed hogs who uh, who know that it's time for dinner. So you can you can be lost in your own reverie just listening to the babbling brook, but all of a sudden the rrr, rrr, rrr of the uh, hogs up the hill will stir you and uh, make you realize, oh yeah, I still have uh, stuff to do. So you got to take those moments uh, while you can. Speaking of hogs, by the way, I was uh, so sad to learn that a, uh, a ham-making business uh, in Virginia. As a matter of fact, I think uh, Edwards Hams is uh, what they're known as. Edwards, Virginia Smokehouse, if you want to be specific. Anyway, in uh, Surrey, Virginia, burned to the ground a couple of weeks ago. And this is actually uh, causing all kinds of havoc uh, for farmers and for chefs around the country. The uh, New York Times actually had a a piece about this. Um, Sam Edwards is the third-generation proprietor of the uh, Edwards, Virginia Smokehouse. And two weeks ago, I guess it was uh, mid-January, uh, while workers were on their lunchtime break, New York Times reports that the uh, Edwards, Virginia Smokehouse burned to the ground, leaving this close-knit community in shock, destroying a business that is deeply embedded in local lore and depriving rural Surrey County, one of its largest employers outside of the local nuclear plant. Now, they are uh, planning on rebuilding, but it's going to take time. Uh, and in the meantime, the uh, the smokehouse itself is closed. The uh, retail shop in Surrey is closed. New York Times says that the fires had ripple effects far beyond Surrey. Heritage farmers, both in Virginia and in the Midwest, who raise the Berkshire hogs that uh, Sam Edwards requires for his pork, have lost their biggest customer. A Brooklyn purveyor of sustainable meats who buys those farmers' hogs and sells Sam Edwards' pork is grappling with a break in his supply chain. Chefs from Washington to New York are busy adjusting their measures or their other menus. Matthew Rudofker, who's the executive chef at uh, Momofuku Sambar in Manhattan, says we might bring on another American ham maker. We always like to rotate, but Edwards Edwards was a staple. Nothing can replace them. 
35 employees are idled. Sam Edwards says he's going to try to pay them as long as he can. Uh, And they will rebuild, but uh, he said, you know, they've lost some things that uh, are irreplaceable. Photographs, hand-cranked phone from the 1940s, the uh, brass skeleton key to the original smokehouse that his grandfather built. He said, uh, I look at it like this is life. He said, as heartbroken as we are, I'm a plotter. I'll just keep going on. Now, the uh, Times also points out that uh, Edwards Smokehouse, uh, not the biggest purveyor of pork in the uh, state of Virginia, Smithfield, not just uh, Virginia's, but uh, the United States' uh, biggest pork processor, is just down the road in uh, Smithfield, Virginia. But Smithfield was bought. Uh, bought out by a Chinese company in 2013. And that has uh, uh, rankled a lot of locals there in the uh, Surrey area. So the Edwards, Virginia Smokehouse, this is still locally owned. This is still American-made and American-owned ham. Uh, A third-generation family business. And unfortunately, again, it, it is now burned to the ground. The cause of the fire, according to the Times, remains a mystery. Tyrone Franklin, the Surrey County Administrator, called it a nightmare for the local economy. He said that after the event, I didn't really get a whole lot of sleep. When I heard about this, I thought, gosh, I wish I could donate a pig or two, but it's not the, the, the pigs that they need. Uh, it is the facility that they need. And uh, I hope that, uh, and we'll keep following the story, but I hope that the uh, Edwards uh, Virginia Smokehouse We'll be back up and running. I hope that the uh, community of Surrey pulls together and uh, the hams start getting smoked there again very soon. All right, when we come back after a quick timeout here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network, we'll hear from you. We've got uh, a number of emails that I want to uh, share with you, so stick around. We'll be right back with more right after this. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Mike Huckabee is way in it for Trump at this point. He's in it for anybody who will let him be vice president, be on the ticket with him because he's looking for a J-O-B. He ain't playing that bass no more on Fox. He don't have that talk show. He don't have that radio show. So he's looking for a gig, and he has hung it on Monster.com. Hey, looking for VP job. Can you help me out here? The morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Plays Radio Network. So I've got several emails that I want to share this week here on 40 Acres and a Fool. The email address, uh, by the way, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. 40acrefool at gmail.com. I want to start with uh, an email from Kyle, who said... Uh, Hello, Cam and Missy. Continuing to enjoy the show. I really like that uh, Missy is now a co-host. She brings a different angle to the show, which I'm sure most enjoy. And I start drooling every time she reveals her recipes and or her cooking tips. Uh, Kyle says, I wrote in on your second episode. I believe you uh, may or may not remember, but my wife, son, and I moved to a trailer park while paying off all of our student loans and other debts before buying a house and having our little farm. We'll be traveling to Nashville in early March to be in a popular financial radio show. 
Uh, Kyle says, uh, being uh, somewhat of a foodie and interested in similar things, I'd like your opinion on places to visit and eat while in the Nashville area, since I know that you were there for the NRA annual meeting not long ago. Uh, and I trust your opinion on such topics. Thanks again. Uh, and I love the show. And Kyle says, uh, P.S. I loved heavy lifting. It was the one thing that I asked my wife to get me for Christmas as we were on a really tight budget. Uh, Kyle says, great job. And Kyle, thank you so much. That that yeah, I cannot tell you uh, how much that means to me. And it sounds like, uh, and I'm really glad that you enjoyed the book because it sounds like you're not necessarily someone who who needed that message, but hopefully you got some positive reinforcement uh, and some uh, recognition that uh, absolutely you are uh, doing the right thing. And, and congratulations on uh, traveling to Nashville to be on a uh, financial radio show. That is awesome. I, I, I wish that I had better food advice to give you, Kyle, but I'll be really honest with you. Um, at the NRA annual meeting, most of the time I am working and uh, meals are, are kind of hard to come by. So the <laughs> I can tell you uh, that uh, over by the convention center, there's a, a great little uh, taco place that is connected to uh, to one of the hotels. It's over by the uh, Country Music Hall of Fame. I had lunch there a couple of times. I can tell you that the uh, concessions within the Nashville Convention Center are pretty darn good. <laughs> um, and I, I wish that I could, you know, tell you the name of a. Uh, uh, a great little dive restaurant or two that I went to anyway, but I just didn't get a chance to sample as much of the local cuisine as I would have liked. Now, there was a place that I wanted to go to that I uh, I never made it to uh, called, uh, called Arnold's Country Kitchen. Uh, it's on uh, 8th Avenue uh, South in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, meat and three, pork chops, collard greens, Squash casserole, fried green tomatoes. It is. It, it sounds like it is the quintessential Southern cafe. There's also the uh, the Loveless Cafe, which you know has, has gotten a lot bigger over the years. So I, it may be more of a, a touristy place, but I think it still gets a really good reviews. And then I know uh, I know KFC has just come out with this, Kyle, the the Nashville hot chicken. I've heard bad things about the KFC uh, Nashville hot chicken, but I've heard really good things about real Nashville hot chicken uh, there in Nashville, Tennessee. So if you're a fried chicken connoisseur, uh, you can always check out one of the uh, the hot chicken joints there in Nashville, Tennessee. And good luck to you, sir. I appreciate uh, you riding in. It's great to hear from you again. And uh, let me know how your uh, appearance on the on the radio goes in uh, early March. Also, Jeanette uh, riding in from New Mexico. She says, I've only recently begun listening to 40 Acres and a Fool. And since I got hooked, I've been trying to catch up on all of your podcasts. So you now have a big fan in New Mexico. Uh, Jeanette says, I'm not a farmer, but for the last couple of years, I've been trying to grow my own herbs, which is not exactly an easy task. Considering the neighborhood where my husband and I live is hounded by what I, by what I call the neighborhood Gestapo, the association, which strictly dictates exactly how we are allowed to landscape our yard. And in Albuquerque, I imagine that's even worse, Jeanette, right? Because they don't want you to have can't just like lay sod out, right? Or or even just put a bunch of topsoil down. Uh, they want things to be very uh, natural, quote unquote, right? Meaning things you don't have to water, uh, in essence. So Jeanette says, I can only grow my basil and my mint and flower pots on my back porch or move them around my backyard to get the most sun while hiding them from the neighborhood Gestapo. Uh, Jeanette says, uh, uh, I'm not a farmer, but uh, growing up, my dad dabbled in some farming uh, when I was growing up in the strangely rural part of Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, she says, strangely, because the rural areas of Albuquerque are pretty much smack dab in the center of town, the valley 
along the Rio Grande River. We raised rabbits when I was a kid, but not to eat. My dad raised hogs for a while, so I've really been enjoying your podcast about your bacon seeds. I remember our freezer being stuffed almost beyond capacity with bacon, sausage, ham, and all kinds of pork, and I miss those days. Jeanette says, my dad also tried onion farming for a bit, but that was a disaster. We've not really tried onion farming, uh, Jeanette, I'll be honest with you. We, uh, we, we do know we can't grow onions from seed. <laughs> I mean, we could, but it's a real pain in the neck. Uh, so we get the, uh, the starter sets for the uh, onions, and so far we've had decent luck with that. But uh, we're talking a couple of rows here, not uh, trying to uh, raise a family off of uh, onion sales. Jeanette's husband, though, uh, was raised on a small farm in an apple orchard, which uh, Jeanette says he still shares with his brother and sister after his parents passed away. So they've spent many late summers out there picking apples that his brother and sister sell at the local farmer's market or send back with Jeanette and her husband to make apple pies and apple butter. She said, the reason though I wanted to write this email is based on two of your podcasts, one in which you were excited about going to the five-county fair, and another where you had attended but were dis- uh, very disappointed. <laughs> yeah, back in the fall. Jeanette says, I related to that one especially so much, uh, as sad as it is. She says, see, I used to go to the New Mexico State Fair, which was once known as the biggest show in New Mexico, and it was a huge event for Jeanette and her mom. She says, I was once proud to say I'd been to every state fair except for one from the time I was 18 months old until I was in my late 20s. She said, the fair really defined fall, even though New Mexico State Fair is always held in uh, late summer in the first few weeks of September. She said, uh, the smell of roasting green chili and horses in the air meant that fall had begun. It was fair time. So you'd go in. Uh, over by the uh, horse race track, you'd stop to watch the horse races for a little bit. Then you'd go straight to the Indian village where many of the Indian pueblos in New Mexico set up booths to sell handmade jewelry and arts and crafts and food, including green chili stew and fry bread, which may be one of the uh, top five uh, creations that uh, New Mexico has, has given the world. That was how they would start the fair, Jeanette says. That was the tradition. Jeanette and her mom, and they'd always watch what had been a mini-gathering of nations, powwow, the Pueblo and other tribal dancers performing. Then they'd go to another part of the fairgrounds, the Villa España, go through the booths and the galleries displaying the artwork and crafts from Mexico and Spain, eat more food, watch flamenco or Mexican dancers, listen to mariachi bands, and then go to the main street of the fair where you had the typical fair souvenirs and the classic cars and stuff like that. And this was Jeanette's experience growing up. And not just growing up, but as an adult. This was her fair experience. Um, Midways, rodeos, right? Just everything that you think of when you think of the fair. She said, once I got older and after my mom passed away, I didn't go to the state fair as much as I used to. But as a photographer, I attend every once in a while, once for a web magazine I was working for, other times because there were so many interesting people and things to photograph. She said, I went back a couple of years ago, though, and I could not even recognize it. Gone were all of the ethnic food tents and booths. Even powderels and rexes were no longer there. They'd been replaced by, and this made me gasp, Jeanette, when I read this, they'd been replaced by Pizza Hut or Burger King or the like. She said, not much at all, even in fair food. The booths of the Indian village in Villa España were almost completely empty. Not much in the way of dancers or performers anymore. The exhibits in the Luan building and the Industrial Arts building were sparse. She says, it was like no one even seemed to care anymore. She says, I was so sad and disappointed, I vowed that I'd never go back. It really felt like a huge part of my life was dead. 
And I, I, I understand that, uh, that feeling, Jeanette. Um, because something is dying when you go back to the fair. And as you say, it's not just that the vendors are now uh, fast food franchises. I mean, that's bad enough, right? But, you know, you talk about going into the industrial arts building or whatever and seeing the the uh, the, the number of displays that are down dramatically, uh, the number of entries into the uh, the, 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 the green chili stew, uh, judging contest, right. Or the, uh, the pies or the cakes. Um, what's dying, I think is not just, um, our desire to go to the fair and experience the fair. Cause I, I think there's still some of that around, but I think what's dying is the, uh, civic mentality and the, the community mentality of wanting to be a part of that fair. And, you know, look, I, I grew up like you. I wanted to go see the Midway. I wanted to go wander the aisles. But, like, I, you know, I never I never submitted anything uh, to be judged. I never uh, uh, judged. I never, you know, entered any animals or arts and crafts. I, I went as a uh, a visitor to the fair. And the older I get, the more I realize that, you know, visitors are absolutely critical to the success of a, a fair, whether it's a county fair or a state fair. But also critical to the success of an event like that are the, uh, the A, the volunteers, right, who help put an event like that on. But there are also the participants that are important. And those participants in the fair, they can be uh, the vendors, but they can also be those folks who... Uh, every year submit their quilts or their cross stitch or here in the five uh, county fair uh, their vegetables their tobacco for the judging the livestock uh, that the uh, the kids raise and bring to the fair for the first time there are so many components uh, that actually require action and uh, some sort of uh, involvement beyond paying your entry fee and going in and having a good time in order to make a, a great fair really successful. And I worry that we're losing uh, those aspects, that uh, it's not necessarily that we're losing the fair goers, but that we're losing the fair participants. And if we lose those participants, the fair isn't as much fun. And then I think the attendance starts to drop. Then it becomes a very different uh, atmosphere and uh, an event from what it used to be. So I, I think that you are absolutely right, Jeanette, unfortunately, in noticing uh, that these things are, are disappearing. I, I don't think it's permanent. It doesn't have to be anyway. Uh, but again, it does require uh, more of us to, to start participating uh, in these events and activities that we love. All right, we got to take a, a time out. When we come back, we have more of your thoughts as well. So stick around. There's more 40 Acres and a Fool coming up right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Who gets control of, of the Beji oil refinery? 
in Saladin province. Is that who does that go to? The biggest oil refinery in the country. Who gets that? See, this is part of the problem. Is that Iraq, as others have said, is sort of is a is an Arab Yugoslavia. It's got all these groups that we think of as eh, they can all get along. They don't want to get along. They're not going to get along. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks so much for joining us here on 40 Acres and a Fool. I say us. Miss E's not here this week. Probably won't be there next week, too. But she will be back at some point in the very near future. I promise you that. Uh, in the meantime, Cam Edwards, your host, and uh, we're uh, checking in with... Uh, uh, I, I was going to say fools from around the country, but it sounds like an insult when I call you a fool, right? It's one thing for me to call myself a fool, but uh, checking in with listeners from around the country. Let's just do that. Dennis uh, writing in says uh, he's loving the podcast. Says, I just discovered the podcast l- uh, last week. I am 10 episodes in. Uh, really enjoying living vicariously through your farm while my wife and I continue to look for our little slice of heaven. Dennis says, this is really bringing back memories of working my grandfather on my uncle's dairy farm every summer when I was younger. Hopefully, Dennis says, by this time next year, we will have found the farm that calls our name and we'll be starting on our journey of farm life with our growing family, not just for the farming, but to have a little bit of land to hunt that I can call my own. Uh, Dennis, I wish you the very best of luck. I'm not sure uh, where it is that you're looking, but uh, I can tell you there are a lot of uh, beautiful spaces and beautiful places in the state of Virginia. And uh, we could use all of the freedom-loving, liberty-minded individuals moving to the state of Virginia as we can to uh, counteract those who are not so freedom-loving and liberty-minded who are moving into the uh, D.C. area, including the northern Virginia suburbs. Uh, Dennis has also wanted to see if you'll be at the great outdoor show in Harrisburg this year. Maybe I will bump into you there. And, uh, Dennis, I will indeed. Uh, starting on Saturday, February the 6th, Sunday, February the 7th, Monday, February 8th, and Tuesday, February the 9th. Uh, I will be there, and uh, we will have a presence from uh, NRA News throughout the rest of the uh, Great American Outdoor Show. There is a, I I would say, a a very slight possibility uh, that I'll be back up for that second weekend. It is Valentine's Day, uh, so I say it's a slight possibility because uh, uh, the the more likely scenario is that I will be uh, home with my uh, family on the second weekend. But I will be up there 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. And uh, if, if you're not there those four days, Dennis, please come by the uh, NRA News booth anyway. We'll have some uh, goodies for you. John Pop will be there. Uh, Kyle Morgan, our uh, technical director here in Farmville, Virginia, will be up there. And uh, we'll be talking with uh, a guest throughout the week. So, yeah, please come by and see us. And I hope that I do get a chance to, uh, to run into you. And, uh, again, best of luck to you and your family in your search. Uh, if you were 10 podcasts in, I think you've probably heard me say this by now, but the search itself uh, is worthwhile. The search itself is an adventure. You know, you're looking for that place to settle down and call your own, and you're looking for that little bit of land that you can hunt on. But what you are in the process of doing right now, Dennis, is exploring, right? Uh, you you are exploring a part of uh, your state or maybe a, a neighboring state that, that that you've never been to before. You're going down these uh, country roads that you didn't know existed. Uh, you're finding small towns that uh, you didn't even realize were on the map, right? Uh, and that, to me, was was one of the, the best parts about looking for a farm. It got frustrating after a while when you'd go out 
and you'd spend all day Saturday and all day Sunday driving around the uh, the state looking at properties, and there was something that just wasn't right about each and every one of them. I'm not denying that it didn't get frustrating, but looking back, it was also um, a, a a really great opportunity to explore the state that I lived in and to decide to, to figure out what it was that we actually were looking for. Uh, we knew, you know, along the way we realized, all right, we want a, an historic home uh, because as we were walking through the sort of cookie cutter newer homes and then we were walking through all of these uh, homes that were built in the uh, you know mid-1800s or the early 1800s, uh, we just noticed the the details. We noticed that each one of these uh, newer homes we could navigate around in despite having never been there before we could figure out where things were uh we could and and i suppose that that has its charm right but uh we also found out that as we're walking through these older homes each and every one of them was different each and every one of them was unique there wasn't a a cookie cutter uh house even though you might find you know three or four uh federal style uh, uh, uh farmhouses um each and every one of those were going to be different. They were going to have, have had their, uh, their builder and their previous owners impart a little bit of themselves on the home. And we, we ended up really liking that. Uh, but we also, I got to say, I, I really loved just getting a chance to see uh, a lot of Virginia and West Virginia and a little bit of North Carolina as well. And uh, it, it really sparked in me a, a desire to get to know the state that I that I live in, uh, because for so long we lived in Northern Virginia, and it's such a pain to get out of Northern Virginia and actually get to the rest of the state that we didn't do as much exploring. Uh, but since we've left and now that we've been down in Farmville, uh, I've, I've made it to almost every county in Virginia. There, I've, I've still got to go around the borders, basically. I've got to get to far southwestern Virginia, Cumberland Gap area down by uh, Bristol. But I, I'm going to be heading to Bristol here before long. In fact, we'll be talking about a, a very cool race that's going to be happening at Bristol Motor Speedway coming up uh, later in the uh, the year here on both uh, NRA News Cam and Company and on 40 Acres in a Fool. have to get over to the uh, the eastern shore of Virginia. need to explore some of the, uh, the northern neck area. But uh, I, I've, I've now caught in that bug, Dennis, and I've been able to to explore uh, more of the state than I ever really thought that I would. So I, I, I wish you and your wife and your growing family uh, all of the best and really just in, enjoy every step along the way uh, as you're looking for that perfect home and that perfect spot of land to, uh, to call your own. Uh, there are going to be those frustrating moments, many of them. Hopefully uh, you don't have uh, a ton of them. But, but despite the frustrations that uh, will inevitably come, Really, enjoy the experience, enjoy the adventure that you're on uh, every step of the way because uh, it really is, uh, I I think, uh, an amazing thing that you're doing, and it is a a fantastic benefit uh, for you and your family. So I wish you well, Dennison, and please check in. Let me know uh, how your your adventures are going, and I do hope that I get to see you in Harrisburg. I hope I get to see uh, a lot of you in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, for the Great American Outdoor Show, again, kicking off. February the 6th. Would love to see you in person. And if we don't see you in person, uh, thank you again for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Until we have a chance to talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll see you here soon 
on another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.